Hello and welcome to the Lifefulness Podcast, which is dedicated to helping you live your life as fully as possible through lifefulness. There's a lot of life, there's a lot of fullness. Smash it together, lifefulness. I'm your host, Sanderson Jones, and normally this is where my co-host introduces himself, but he has trusted me to do this because he's really great at empowering his underlings. I was going to say himself but it was we just had to change it to his underlings and so this is part two of our six-part mini-series of the six pillars of lifefulness because that's a word that we're bandering around a lot in this podcast I think I've used about 17 times in the run-up to this and we wanted to make sure that there was a simple way for people to just get their head around it and so this is on the second pillar of lifefulness which is celebration now again i don't know which podcast you listen to which you haven't but lifefulness arose out of the work that uh, i did at sunday assembly and in fact people all over the world did of seeing if there's a way of adapting the church the congregation in a way that everyone can take part and and the reason it's called lifefulness is that in 2015 i realized that what we were doing for congregation is what john kabat-zinn He's the guy who founded mindfulness in its present form. We're doing for congregation what John Kabat-Zinn did for meditation, Buddhist meditation. And so he realized that there was a religious practice, which if you described it in a different way, then everyone could take part. And and then it was a, the more I looked into this, the more you realize that so much of this stuff that we take for granted in our lives originally comes from religious practices. So, you know, we're just part of this long tradition, whether that be yoga, universities, art itself, music is so often seen as sacred, even medicine. So uh, that's where lifefulness comes from. And we wanted to go and do this uh, podcast just so that you guys can get your head around some of the, you know, the basic building blocks of it. And so celebration is number two. And that is a translation of this idea of worship, which is something like I think one of the most iconic things that we associate with congregations. And that is worship both in the sense of when you come together, but like celebration should also be seen as actually a way of going through the world. And, you know, it it connects to some of the ideas that are you know really common in science today you know like what is your mindset uh you know like how do you like if you go and look at uh celebration the things that you find in there are great ways of connecting to other people like singing uh you know like these embodied acts are also what brings meaning to life and it's loads of the stuff we discussed in the podcast with zoe cormier let's not hang about any longer Let's find out more about the second pillar of lifefulness, celebration. Hello and welcome to number two in our lifefulness mini-series. I am Sanson Jones. And I am James Croft. Hello, James. We're going to be talking about celebration, aren't we? Because that is the second pillar of lifefulness. We did ultimate meaning. We're now on celebration. Uh, I mean, pretty great that celebration is a key part of uh, lifefulness. One of my 
favorite stories which I found in a, uh, a religious sort of book is written by a pastor, Campolo, Eric Campolo, I think. And the book is called The Kingdom of Heaven is a Party. And it tells this story. And this guy is just got a really giving spirit. And like you're reading it and you know, he believes very different things that I believe. But you can just tell that I like to think that if I believe the things he believed, I'd want to do sort of community the way he did it. And he told this story about being, you know, how celebratory uh, and celebration is so key to community and key to the spiritual life. And he was in Hawaii for a conference and he had jet lag. And so he just kept on waking up at three in the morning, four in the morning. And the only place which was open was a, I, I, for some reason, this story slightly makes me tear up. So that's going to happen. The, uh, the only place he could find was a cafe which stayed up late at night and it ended up uh, doing breakfast for all the prostitutes. And so he would be there and he sort of just was there for a week and he was always being really friendly to them. And then he discovered that one day he discovered that uh, the next night one of the uh, sex workers was going to be, it was her birthday. And he said, oh, what are you doing for your birthday? And she went, oh, you know we don't really celebrate birthdays. And he was like, hmm. And so then he went and spoke to the guy who ran the cafe. He somehow like got the feelers out to her friends. And then like that next day, she just came there and she was having a coffee. And then surprise birthday. And they just talks about this woman of like how much that meant for her and that you know, like that she felt so seen, that there was a part of her which she had said goodbye to. And this guy threw her a party and celebrated her. And then there's this great line. I don't know why this makes me so emotional. I just love it so much. There's this great line. And she says, so what do you do? And he says, uh, I'm a pastor. And she said, God, what sort of church do you run? And he says, we're the sort of church which puts on parties for prostitutes at four in the morning. And I was like, oh, wow. Isn't that like just great? You've got an idea for your next Sunday assembly, I think. <laughs> That's going to be my defense when I get discovered with some prostitutes at four in the morning. So sorry, I was uh, celebrating their birthdays. Look at this book. And why not? Sex workers need to, need to be celebrated I mean, as well. It's, it's just a body. And you so, know that Tony Campolo's son is now a prominent secular humanist author and yes. podcast host. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, so I think there's this core part of celebration, which is uh, in uh, thing, in core part of celebration, which is in the spiritual life. And that's got sort of two forms, which are like that group form that you see, and then the sort of individual and day to day. And by the way, this using the word celebration, it's a sort of you know, a secular and inclusive translation of this idea of worship, you know, sanctifying something. James, what does worship look like for you in your life and in uh, your community, in the ethical society? We do. I encourage our members to think of it as worship. What do we give worth to and how do we mm. recognize that worth? And that's how I link it into the idea of celebration, because the roots of the word celebration were 
about religious rights and coming together to honor something important to a community in a repeated and systematic way. And we do that at the Ethical Society for many different things. One of our greatest celebrations of the year, which is both a happy, upbeat thing like we think of celebration today, but is also kind of at the heart of our community's practice, is our celebration of the graduation of our coming of age class. We have a two-year coming-of-age program for young teenagers who are sort of transitioning into young adulthood. And at the end of that, they make a presentation. They give a little speech to the whole community, which they've written about what sort of adult they want to be and what values they want to guide their lives. And it's a huge celebration in both that it's really fun and everyone enjoys celebrating these young people and lifting them up. But it's also a recognition of the values of the community because we're a community where young people can choose what they believe for themselves and how they're going to live their lives. And also where we're trying to instill positive moral values. And that's all reflected in this one celebration. I uh, can just imagine myself being there. And if I was there, I would be a big blubbery, teary mess at the back because just thinking about it makes me very, very emotional. And yeah, there's a that... lot of tears every year and there's a lot of toasted ravioli, our oh, disgusting St. Louis delicacy. Okay, I was trying to connect the two there. The, uh, yeah, and I think there's this idea of celebration being sort of like, you know, meaningless. But in fact, as you said, it is about celebrating the things which are most meaningful. And uh, this idea of Durkheim, Emil Durkheim, one of the first people to sort of study religion in the way that we'd recognize it now. He's the sort of father of the grandfather. I don't know how many generations back he goes of. Uh, the big uh, daddy. <laughs> the big daddy uh, of sociology and he described the, the group aspects of celebration as collective effervescence. And he thought that that was like at the heart of, uh, at the heart of religions. But I mean, if we go and see it, it's at the heart of so many different types of groups, these gatherings where we sort of lose our mind. Uh, you know, we lose, we lose ourselves, but in the sort of, but in that losing of ourselves, we actually go and find a bit of ourselves. You know, we go and find the people around us. We go and realize that we're not alone. And yeah, that is something which, you know, it doesn't have to be done in a building at a coming of age thing or in a, you know, we can each go and find our own sort of celebratory group activities. Howdy there, just thought I would interrupt to bring you a very exciting message and that is that we are launching a Lifefulness Podcast competition. It is a giveaway in time with the launch of this podcast and if you like what we're talking about here then I think you will love the prizes that we're giving away. What you have to do is go to www.lifefulness.io forward slash podcast. That's our podcast page. And then there's an entry form. And when you go to the entry form, you then get the option to go and share the podcast. And basically, the more ways that you share the podcast, if you subscribe to the newsletter, if you follow the Facebook group, I mean, stuff you probably want to do anyway, uh, then the more entries you get into this competition. And there are some super prizes. There is a personal development workshop so you can lifefulness your life. We've called that one Queer Eye and the Straight Guy. There is the chance to win a culture change workshop for your company. 
Uh, and then there are also a host of speeches that you can win. Uh, so, I mean, maybe do it at your family WhatsApp. James and I can do a talk on lifefulness. But we're more thinking that this would be great for your company, your community, whatever organization that you're part of. And you can go and enter by going to www.lifefulness.io forward slash podcast. It would really help us. And we hope the prizes will be up your alley. So... What are you waiting for? Get on, do it, do it. Click, 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 share, share, share. All of that stuff. All right, back to the brilliant podcast. Ciao. Uh, Are there any, what sort of ways do you see people sort of fulfilling that need in sort of, you know, in in the world at the moment outside of religious contexts? Well, I've always been fascinated by exactly what you described, those massive group experiences where you seem to kind of be subsumed Mm. into the group, but also exalted by it so that it's not just you're you're losing yourself in a way, but you're also finding yourself in another way. It's kind of difficult to articulate. And I think that we think of a lot of the central rituals of many religions in that way, like the pilgrimage to the Hajj, in in um islam as a major group activity um i always think of of uh, whirling dervishes which have a proper mm. religious name that i can't remember like but that sort of ecstatic movement as a group and then By the way have you ever done five rhythms ecstatic dance i've never done five rhythms ecstatic dance but it sounds like the exact sort of thing i would love the okay great it is uh, it's represented in fiction uh, through uh, in peep show and it's called rainbow rhythms and it's when mark goes gets taken to uh sort of rainbow rhythms which is a big hippie thing and he absolutely hates it and <laughs> it is just a free form freak out of moving around and it's it, but what's quite interesting is the person who made it is i think her name is rothenberg it's actually actually describes it as a physical prayer. And for her, that was how she went and expressed herself and how she was able to get in touch with these, uh, with these senses which are inside us and which can often be really disguised by the sort of the rational part of our, our brain. And, and there's going back to that point you said about those really big group experiences. I, through Sunday Assembly, I have sung a lot of Bon Jovi in crowds because there's something about those big haired New Jersey rockers, which just designed for being bellowed out loud. And it's my life. Again, it's these songs which you hear them normally, you're not really listening, but then you're part of this big group of people who are dedicating their life to an idea and you know you're suddenly that one you're like it's now or never i don't want to live you're like i don't i want to be bloody here and and there's this part where you have a huge group of people all singing i don't want to be just a face in the crowd and you're like oh that's really interesting in fact we love it we want to be totally individualistic and recognize have every single one of the hairs on our heads recognized uh, ever fewer hairs in our case yes. uh, and uh, but, at, up. but at the same time we also want to feel like like oh god we're not alone we're together we're in community and I think that's what these sort of experiences really do and why it's so important for us to find them Absolutely. And I think you've mentioned a couple of the kind of secular versions of group ecstatic celebration in the rock concert. And I think of things like Burning Man, which I've never been to, but I hear is very much like this. And opportunities when people 
come together in big groups to do things together that like even sports games are a form of this a form of people coming together for celebration of some sort of ritualized activity the challenge with a lot of those is that many of them don't have values behind them right they're just the communal element and they don't have the connecting to something bigger than yourself for a good reason element and that's where yeah, it could I'm get dodgy yeah, I'd say that like there's a lot. I mean, I watched the someone did a montage of uh, after <laughs> there's a montage. I'm really just over emotional. But it, if there's a sports montage, particularly Liverpool winning the championship after 30 years, and it went and put all of their history there, and people really they're bringing their whole lives to it. And so, but the thing which I think is different between that and then, you know, sort of congregational communities and different form of spiritual communities is there isn't that organized thing of like, okay, how are you going to live your life? Are we going to go and find out who's like your wife is ill? So-and-so is pregnant. We need to get them food. Like it doesn't have all the other things, but so much of it is in these sport has done a really good job of providing uh, a lot of these experiences for people uh, and and then also stuff like CrossFit again, like that's a huge endorphin rush. You're all doing it together. So there are these different uh, activities that you can do. They don't all have to be high energy, but it is that part of celebration, which is coming together in these experiences where we go and uh, lose ourselves, sometimes called peak experiences. And like in a business context, that's really important as well, like to really go and think about how can that become a part of the rhythm of an organization? Because if it's only once a year at the away day, you know, you don't say, uh, hi there, guys, we've decided to get rid of our weekly event. And we said we're just going to do one away day. And that's going to be our values for a year. It just wouldn't work. Well, that's where I think this sense of bringing celebration into a bigger framework like lifefulness is really important when we get to the business context. Because I don't know about you, but when I think about celebration within a business context, I think of some really sad office parties, you know, where mm. it's kind of like enforced fun and trying to get people to like each other, but really you're there for a professional reason and it doesn't really work out. And that's not what we're talking doesn't mean about anything. at all. No, it doesn't. Exactly. What we're talking about is trying to, and this is what all the best companies already do, is trying to get everybody who's involved in a collective enterprise, which is what a company is, to recognize what the values are, which drives everyone and pulls everyone together, and then represent that in a form of communal celebration, which brings those values to the surface. It isn't shallow if it's done. Yeah, and I think that's the thing which is really interesting about this, is that like, that it's really got to be representative of something which is really believed in and which isn't only doesn't only happen once a year but it becomes part of the fabric of the everyday and that goes to the other part of celebration these celebratory practices where the it's also an individual activity it's a sort of way of looking at the world like it's a way of doing different things in your life can also be celebration so you can, you can choose to go through the world in that way as an act of celebration for your life or of an act of celebration of uh, anything which is important to you. And just go and think about how transformative that is. We've all been in that experience where, you know, like you're living with someone and sometimes you're 
you know, sometimes you're just doing the stuff that you've got to do and that's it's chores, it's admin, whatever it is. And then sometimes when the things are aligning, that your everyday life seems to be represent something far greater. You can go about and you're connecting to these bigger values and it's like everything you're doing is transformed. And I guess that is the, that's this other, these different type of celebratory practices which uh, you can key into. And then, you know, there's sort of contemplation, like mindfulness is something that you can go and do every day. Uh, there are it's sort of like even stuff like reading and sort of making sure that things that you listen to go and remind you of your values and go and so just make that make sure that your mindset is attuned to it so that you can sort of make your life itself a sort of celebration of your values i think that's beautifully put sanderson i oh. have nothing to add Oh, well, well, I mean, I was going to bounce it to you because I've got more to add, mate. Uh, the, uh, but it was, I'd say that I've never been really able to do a stick to a mindfulness practice or a contemplative practice. But for me, I think so much of connecting to this idea of life as, you know, a really powerful driving force, something that you can sort of almost turn into a philosophy in and of itself and plenty of other people have done it before me but was discovered through was actually discovered through sort of physical sensation because for me that I'm quite kinesthetic anyway it is the moment I can start talking about this I'm just sort of start moving around like a sort of serpent looking at a particularly sort of enticing recorder and and then so I had like this idea of like how lucky we were to be alive. And then for me, the thing that I thought about was that one day we're going to be, I'm, I'm going to be dead. And that was lights out, like nothing else. And so it began to dawn on me that, you know, just being alive, that I'll, I'll get to five minutes to my death and I'll look back on being able to sort of, brush my hands against each other, be able to sort of feel how I'm sitting in this chair and be like, oh my, sensations themselves are psychedelic compared to the nothingness that awaits. And then what happened is that I, you know, as I started to tune into that, like just sort of going through the world, like Gert went and sort of connected me more and more to this idea of life as a sort of driving force. And it was sort of like unconscious, but that was a sort of uh, a celebration. It became, you know, a simple thing began to help me go and tune into it. And it became a sort of mindset, which sort of guided the rest of my life. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a really small thing, but like it, it really can be anything that you do in your life that you go and do as a celebration of what's most important to you. I just agree with everything that you said. I, I mean, uh, this, I just we're gonna have yeah. a little bit of conflict, like some. Otherwise, it's just uh, gonna be uh, you know really sort of running out. Uh. Everything you said is wrong, son. <laughs> no, not too I much. I, I, I don't cause... think. I don't <laughs> think we have anything to celebrate. I think the thing that stuck out to me about what you just said is this sense that we are often disconnected from the amazingness of existence itself. Just the fact that we exist and that we get to have experiences. And I know that that sounds so feeble. But that's a weird thing, I'm just going to stop there. It's, it's like, it's, 
the most crazy thing it is. And, and that's, so my, that's why, like, well, that's not why my mum died, but that's why my mum dying has been this thing which has just turned into this big motive force of my life because you will be dead. That will be it. And like us having this conversation, I'd like give all of my inheritance just to go and have this crappy conversation again. And that limitedness, the fact that we have a limited amount of time on this planet and we have no idea how limited it might be, it just makes me feel like we need to make the most of it and celebration, connecting to what's really important and finding ways to honour that. That's one of the best ways to do it. Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And, and that sort of, I'm going to agree with you wholeheartedly some more. And that's why you you do these practices and you come together so that you can go and remember the thing that's important to you because life has this the world all these other things they are designed to go and drag you away from it but by doing these things and by setting up these different practices the ones that work for you you can go and stay focused on the thing which is most important it's what we'll be helping you to do throughout this podcast all right ace so uh goodbye oh You've got to remember to please uh, download, subscribe, share, retweet, uh, all of those things. We would love you to go and spread the word about this because we're just starting out. Uh, unless you're hearing this in five years time and it's huge. Uh, great. Well done. You had great, great taste yes, this there. Is the biggest podcast. Uh, but, yeah. uh, so, uh, all right then, guys. Uh, goodbye. And I will see you in episode three of the miniseries. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the second in our mini-series on the six pillars of lifefulness. Whenever I get out of these conversations, as my mind is always spinning at just the amount of different ways you can go, how much deeper I want to go into different all these different areas, and I can't wait to have you along for the journey as we explore all of this. Now, as I say at the end of every podcast, the podcast is one thing we want to like go and you know, help get these ideas out there. We want to go and, you know, make this stuff really practical. We think that lifefulness is really important and spreading the word is vital. But we also really want to go and create something which is deeper. And that's where the lifefulness community small groups come in. And that is an opportunity where you will be able to go and get connected with people either near you or it might be people with similar interests uh, or it might be people from all over the world until there's enough people who are near you to go and connect. And so once every two weeks, uh, twice a month, there is going to be a small group discussion based on ideas, uh, based on content that we uh, sort of bring up. Sometimes there might be a specialist course that we do, but it is really going to be a fun, supportive empowering a group of people who will be able to inspire you and hold you accountable around these sort of huge issues that we're discussing. The aim is to go from like small groups to then bigger groups and then to congregations and communities uh, further down the line. So please do join in. The way you go and join in is on www.lifefulness.io forward slash membership. Uh, also, by becoming a member, you will be supporting this podcast and the work that we do. So that is the community, the community part. And 
Then also what I've been doing at the end of this is to sort of track back from the launch of the podcast, which is on the 10th of September, to the weeks leading up. And now we have got up to, I believe it is six weeks before launch. And this was the 3rd of August, week commencing the 3rd of August. And as has been hinted at before, like this is sometimes what happens with me with sort of ADHD and uh, you know other things uh, sort of connected to anxiety, connected to all sorts of different stuff. And I take on more work than sometimes if there are sort of small commitments, which I'm not able to keep to. And then I will get into this bit of a funny headspace about not being able to engage with them, which make, then makes me sort of engage with them less. And this was starting to happen at the start of August. I just got that feeling that more things were being put on the table. And there were there were other good things, like the idea of small groups hadn't yet happened. That came out of the Facebook accelerator. So it was more the sort of like if I, in my mind there's a sort of spinning top, which is slowly just being a starting to wobble, you know, like the genuine wobble. And so that is... You know, that's just for me, whenever I start things, I do have to go and grapple with this. Uh, again, one of the reasons for sort of getting into this line of work, for doing a something which is about helping people live life as fully as possible is that, you know, I reflect on how sometimes it's hard for me to do that. Uh, and all this, by the way, it's also really hard for me to speak about this sometimes because who do I know who's listening? Someone in a company that I'm going to go and work with. Someone who you might be like, I want to join a community. Do I want to join with a guy who's not like kicking ass every day? Who's not like taking names? Who's, I'm going to say kicking ass and taking names. Like I've gone to Tony Robbins events. He's like, I'm worth a billion dollars and you can be too. But like, that's that's not me. God, even now I'm slightly thinking, oh, did I say too much? But uh, anywho, that is uh, where we're up to. We're six weeks before launch in the countdown to the launch of the Lifefulness podcast. And now is the time I tell you where you can go and share the podcast. Please do go and subscribe wherever you're listening to this. We're uh, You can find us at the Lifefulness Project on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, come and say hello. Then if you go to at Lifefulness Project, that is P-R-J-T on Twitter because the Lifefulness Project was too long. And then you can follow me at Sanderson Jones, James at uh, Croft Speaks on Twitter. And this leads us into the credits where I can say how great James is. Just a lovely guy. Oh God, he's so smart, but then also very nice. Uh, so thanks to James, then Mavs, our producer, Mavs Shetty, William Andrews for the artwork. Thank you to Roman Rapak and Miro Shot for the music, which I'm sure you're loving right now. Oh, see you for episode three really soon. <laughs> what an awful outro. Okay, bye. <laughs>